The Forward Thinker Show is available wherever you listen to your podcast. In celebration of Dominican Independence Day. Hey, it's Coral, and welcome to the Forward Thinker Show, the podcast where we share the stories and expertise of global leaders in business and technology. Today, we're joined by Sebastian Nunez, current SWE intern at UKG and former SWE intern at JP Morgan. He is a Google Tech Exchange alumni and now an Apple Pathways fellow. Welcome, Sebastian. Thank welcome, you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Are Quite you? the intro. I'm excited. <laughs> You're excited. You, you do a little bit of everything, bro. Yeah, I try to keep myself busy. You know, as opportunities come and arise, I just you know, pounce you, on them. You know, you know too much about opportunities. Bueno, Sebastian, I, I, I know you're like an expert on opportunity finding, especially for like diverse engineers. And the topic of the day is like why we need diverse engineers either in a project or in a startup or if we need engineers to build startups. Like the, 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 the value of them are so big. But before we get into that topic, I want to know your backstory. Where'd yeah. You, where'd you grow up? How yeah. did you get here to Miami, to the yeah. Miami life? I want to know. Yeah. Well, I'm Dominican. I was born there. Came to the U.S. when I was... El primo. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I moved initially when I was around 13 years old. I lived in Ohio mm -hmm. up until pretty much high school. I graduated high school. Then I mm -hmm. came down here to Florida. It wasn't kind of my choice. My mom wanted to move here. She was over mm -hmm. the weather. So it was pretty much my mom, me my aunt mm -hmm. and my grandparents wow so and you know it was very kind of tight-knit as far as a community of people like ourselves we mm -hmm. have some friends from peru mm -hmm. venezuela mm -hmm. um mexico mm -hmm. so but it's very far few between um but i mean yeah i mean in ohio i think i definitely benefited from one thing though it was kind of learning the language and becoming americanized <laughs> so It was good from that perspective where I was challenged quite a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, essentially for, like, two years, I could not even speak English. Mm -hmm. So that kind of set me back quite a bit because I got into high school and I didn't feel comfortable, like, reading English, mm -hmm. um, writing, definitely not writing. Um, but I went to an excellent high school. It was Shaker Heights High School. Mm -hmm. um, and I grew so much between like freshman year to like junior year. I feel like everybody is like junior year, yeah, like I'm done. But like senior year in high school, that was my toughest year. I, I think I had like maybe like five AP classes. Like it was, Whoa. yeah, you it were, was like you were booked. Yeah, because I, I felt like I was finally free and I was able to understand everything and I wanted to learn more and know more, mm -hmm. um, which is not something that I had experienced before. Like in middle school, I really struggled, mm -hmm. um, even with like math. But I, I got to high school, I had an excellent teacher. Um, Miss Sorrell and uh, shout out to her, shout out to Miss Um And you know, I get a lot of confidence, kind of in math and science, and just in general. I, I thought I was terrible in English, but slowly but surely, you know, mm -hmm. between four years, I made it all the way to the, like, the highest level of English as well as Spanish classes. Wow. So I kind of kept it up on both ends. Um, but yeah, I was v very grateful for that school. I, I think. High school is a place mm -hmm. where you feel lost, yeah. but I, you can find your way. And I thought mm -hmm. I kind of found my footing and um, kind of opened up a little bit towards the end. I was very close to in at the beginning. 
Um, but you know, it's expected. It is. But you were you were kind of shy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm still yeah. Shy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I've always been kind of outgoing, but it it was difficult with within like mm-hmm. social settings. Um, even because I didn't speak English, I didn't feel co- that comfortable. Mm. And then I would always like kind of doubt myself, mm-hmm. whether it be like even I remember having like nightmares of like, oh my god, the teacher's gonna call on me to read. <laughs> like this is the worst thing. No. I remember <laughs> not 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 Insidious Three. Yes, <laughs> uh, let me tell you a funny story. So I was in um, they they used to have like English class. They used to have like Socratic seminar essentially where. Ooh. Everybody's open. Oh, There's no those. moderator. It's just uh-huh. like talk, talk, talk. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you, you know, you try not to cut anybody off. But mm-hmm. um, I remember I used to just get zeros on those because I would never speak up. Wow. And this was junior year in high school. Like I would not speak up. Um, I remember my teacher. Her name is uh, Miss Lawler. Shout out to her. She shout out to her. Shout too. out to her. You got some great teachers, I, man. I have. <laughs> I had a lot of great people to look up to, and she pushed me to you know, ends that I thought I can meet. Like, I didn't think I could ever take, like, an AP English class. Wow. But, you know, by going through the process, I felt like I also learned a lot of the importance of revisioning and kind of being agile in that sense where, mm-hmm. let's say I turn in my paper, I would get whatever, 60%, mm-hmm. but I would go in after, they call it office hours, um, I would go in, see what I did wrong, get some tips. And a lot of the time, it wasn't even that I... It was terrible. It was just like I didn't have the right direction. So like I would cut an essay down by like half, and it would get like a way better grade. Mm-hmm. So she kind of helped me understand that it's all a cycle. Like yeah. you can't really just expect it to happen overnight. You can't just expect it to happen yeah. so quickly. And it, that's crazy. It's like not only are you like the f- are you are you guys like you're the first generation of your family to come here, or have you had family here before? No, no, first generation. I mean, wow. Um. Yeah, my aunt lived here for like twenty years, okay. but she doesn't have any children or anything like that. And so you're the first one in your family to go to college here in the U.S. Yeah, correct. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like you, you not like that's that that takes a lot of resiliency. That shows that Thank anyone you. anyone who goes through that sort of process of like coming to a new country, not only learning skills but learning skills in a language that you don't even understand, mm-hmm. and the fact that you had you know support so that you can learn those skills here. And then you had to like move again to Miami, mm-hmm. like that's that's crazy. That that takes a lot of resiliency, and I feel like that's something that's very um, you know unique about you know people who have that first gen experience. And like, I feel like people Americans who were born here and live here, they don't understand how special and like how how great the opportunities that they have here. And it, and like even people internationally, they don't know how. Like how actually like how how much opportunity really is, I feel like and then you someone like you who's like promoting like good communities for people to go to that that's that's valuable. So Sebastian, I know you're studying computer science. Could you tell me how that happened? Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to pursue in high school. Like it wasn't up until uh, my junior my junior year where I actually took an intro course. A friend of mine recommended me to take that course. I went ahead and took it. Um, Mostly it was like JavaScript, HTML, CSS, mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of my footing into it. I really enjoyed the idea of being able to solve problems and not knowing how to solve something, working on it, doing research, and I fell in love with it. So the following year, my senior year in high school, I took an intro to Java course, 
um, once again, I kind of excelled, enjoyed it a lot, and I was like, okay, this is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in general, it just combines a lot of my strengths, whether it be like logic, math, science, um, problem solving ability. So, yeah, that's that's it. And you and you were able to become a, a software engineer twice because of that. Yeah. 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 But, but it wasn't only like just your your ability to to code by yourself because I feel like there's a there's a misconception that like if you're an engineer you're a coder you're just in your basement alone just coding away but I, I feel like you you took a different approach yeah I think you know being an engineer is like kind of multifaceted there's a lot of people that are involved throughout the development process whether it be from the product side um, to the developer themselves and even the stakeholders so from my perspective I've always valued Mm-hmm. kind of the system end-to-end. Mm-hmm. I enjoy not only kind of coding and getting into the nitty-gritty details, but I also enjoy laying out requirements, coming up with stories, mm-hmm. um, diving into, you know, more of the design side as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also kind of why I wanted to go into more of the product side. Like, I saw myself going to becoming, like, an engineer for, like, five years and going into more of the product management side. But um, right now, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted on that. No, that that's a, that's actually good because you're able to think about just more than just the product. I feel like um, that if you want to build software, it's not as easy as just like let me just code something up to see if like people like it. There's a lot of planning behind it. Could you actually explain that process of like how software goes to market? Yeah, yeah. So I guess you know first you need an idea or some kind of problem. Mm-hmm. I guess it probably starts with a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, could be, let's say, my last project. We I thought about, you know, my aunt. She she kind of has some issues managing inventory. So I thought about what could I do to create kind of like an inventory management system for her. Um, then once you have kind of the idea laid out, then you go into okay, what are the requirements for this piece of software? Mm-hmm. What are the actual things that I wanted to do? So let's say, for example, if it's inventory management, of course I want to be able to add products, mm-hmm. maybe categorize them, tag them, right? So once you have those high level ideas. Um, it's important to break them down into more of an individual kind of um, like step by step, mm-hmm. but not too in detail as, mm-hmm. you know, it's still early on in the development process. Then once you have those ideas and that kind of core requirement laid out, you can go ahead into more of the design. So let's say like wireframes. Um, so visually how the, the application might look like. Um, once you have that down, you know, you can go more into the development process. So let's say if you're doing the APIs, you could do an API contract. Um, and maybe database schema, things along the line. And then once you feel comfortable that everything is where you want it to be, mm-hmm. go ahead and start development. Um, you know, depending how many people you have on your team, of course, you can kind of mm-hmm. segre- segregate different tasks mm-hmm. um, amongst themselves. But, yeah, and then once you kind of have different prototypes, it's good to kind of be agile in a sense where mm-hmm. you make changes. Maybe you implemented it. Uh, a wireframe a certain way but then once you actually make it and start using it it doesn't plan out how you wanted it to Mm -hmm. so you go back maybe change it adjust it um, and always be willing to take change um, because a lot of the time you know you have this great idea and it's some kind of way in your head but then once everything is kind of put together it's not as perfect as you thought so it's good to go back iterate and Mm -hmm. make it better and yeah outside of that then let's say you go into testing Mm -hmm. making sure that everything uh, is bug free um and then lastly, you know, deployment and taking feedback from users. So then you, go, then you go to the moon and you launch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are some problems that are happening in this world that are happening to, you know, individuals of different places, but you don't know how to solve them correctly because 
there's not that many, you know, diverse engineers. Uh, 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 like, except for Miami. Miami is its own. Yeah. It's a, it's a different category. Mm-hmm. It, Miami is its own thing. But, like, outside of it, it's, like, kind of, it's kind of homogenous. That's the word I will use. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I mean, you know, diversity. When you, were in, when you were in Ohio, how was it when you were in Ohio? Um, It was not very diverse in the sense that I would like it. Like, I was the only, pretty much the only Spanish-speaking person there, the only Hispanic, the only Latino. Um, pretty much, you know, the entire school. There were some people who were kind of more descendant side, but you know, not body, nobody who was an immigrant directly. Um, so it, it was a bit alienating at times, where I didn't really know where I fitted in, mm-hmm. and that kind of t- took a toll on me. Which is something, you know, obviously you don't want to see. But once I came down to Miami and kind of in- reintroduced myself into the the environment that I was familiar with, I became more comfortable. Especially here at FIU, I remember my first semester, we worked together on SparkDev. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a very interesting project that's still on my resume to this day, and I yeah. still talk about it. Um, Code Clash. We love Code Clash. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, uh, I've always valued different perspectives, and mm-hmm. I think it's very important, especially when you're developing something. You want to think about every user and every use case. You know, mm-hmm. If you're somebody, let's say, from Canada, you may not have... Um, the insight that somebody from Argentina might have in mm-hmm. relations to not only the cultural side, mm-hmm. um, but also even just language and mm-hmm. how people tend to communicate, maybe what's better and what's worse. Um, mm-hmm. So having a seat at the table is very important yes. um, for all races. So. Yeah, that, that's so true. That even happened to me and my brother because we were building a website for this um a concert going on, a Christian concert happening in Paraguay. And when we were building it here, we added a lot of features. Mm-hmm. But then my brother, he went to Paraguay to test the, the the website, like the ticketing system. But it was because there were so many elements on the website, mm-hmm. Paraguay, but it, the Paraguay's Wi-Fi, they didn't, it couldn't load correctly because there was too many elements. And my brother wouldn't have known that if he would have been there and talked to the people who were using the application. Exactly. And because of that, we had to sort of simplify the website so that it, it could only focus on just like getting the ticket and getting the, the financial information so that they can have a ticket to go inside the concert. But, you know, you don't think about like, there's different like power outage issues and, mm-hmm. and different things that, uh, that users of that application have to have to go through but yeah. you don't even think about that when you're here and, and it's only when you're from a place like this that you can think about those mm-hmm. use cases but um what was like the first like i know you were in different communities like so you were in a physical community with diverse people building a project but there were other communities that sort of helped you become a better engineer could you give me the story on that like how you got that um your first internship yeah so I guess it was first thing here was here in it. I mm-hmm. think and it was a really strong driving force for me. Um, you know, when I was in Miami Dade, I didn't really participate in clubs. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't in a single club. Yeah, I never was actually in high school either. <laughs> I don't know. I just I was focused on other things. But when I came to FIU, one of the first things I, I, I kind of put on myself is I want to participate more actively in clubs. Mm-hmm. I want to work with other people, mm-hmm. make software. Um, because making software is not an individual thing. It's a very it's collaborative um, space. So um, at the time, it was called UP. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined in. They had you know a plethora of different programs, and spe- spe- specifically SparkDev, where I actually kind of 
dip my toes into what it is to actually build a full stack app mm-hmm. end to end from coming up with the ideas, designing, prototyping, actually having it there and demoing. Um, and with that experience, I was able to go through the the kind of the JP Morgan pipeline. It was, it was called Code for Good. Essentially, it's a program where nonprofit organizations, they present their problems mm-hmm. and they bring in different volunteers and engineers, students like myself, to help them out in mm-hmm. a way. So it was like kind of crazy how I could translate this experience here at FIU and in it, take it to JP Morgan during this event. It was, you know, and build something with the same technologies that I had used <laughs> here. So within the team, I was it was FIOS, you know, I kind of took it upon myself to lead in a way where mm-hmm. they didn't really know exactly what we wanted to use as far as like technologies. Mm-hmm. So I've already worked with this, mm-hmm. the stack here. So I was like, okay, let's just use this. It's very intuitive. Anybody has issues, I can help you. And essentially we built an app. It was for T3. It's a, not a nonprofit in Texas that they're trying to um, increase representation within, or not representation, but their focus is making sure that parents understand the value mm-hmm. of higher education because a lot of the parents down in Texas, um, they believe that college might be a little bit of waste of money, not worth it in the end. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, our whole solution was built around the importance of stories and storytelling specifically. We wanted to per- to portray how different engineers who maybe pursue like a two-year program are now making X amount of Mm -hmm. $100,000, and we built that around that. But outside of SparkDev and that experience after that, they were impressed with my work, kind of said, okay, we're going to bring you on Mm -hmm. for the summer. And over the summer, you know, I worked on kind of things that I actually learned here at FIU, you know, typical Java, Spring Boot, React, Mm -hmm. that type of thing. Um, So I leveraged that. And then another, you know, a resource that has been more or less just a catalyst, a really strong catalyst in my time has been Copath. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of programs specifically targeted towards underrepresented communities mm-hmm. that are meant to help you gain the technical skills that you need to get a job. Mm-hmm. So I've been in mobile development, web development, mm-hmm. um, you know, the technical <laughs> preparation. Wait, so Codepath it gives you like little classes outside of they're yes. not little like there's like you know <laughs> first section probably like 100 kids at least wow. probably more wow and one of the great things about it is that you don't only let's say for the web development course you don't only get the instructions it's like 10 weeks 12 weeks around there but you actually get to build a project um they call it like a capstone project where you spend like two three weeks um working with somebody and building an idea out mm-hmm. from beginning to end and that's kind of the most valuable experience for me, at least. I feel like a lot of the time you can learn all this stuff from the books, whatever. But if you don't actually implement something and solve a problem mm-hmm. and make mistakes, I feel like a lot of the time people are afraid to dive in because they don't maybe they don't know, they're mm-hmm. not sure. But you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I've learned. Um, break things, break them fast, fix them, that's it. Um, <laughs> fail fast. Fail fast, exactly. <laughs> but, fail forward. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Copath, huge catalyst. I know the community is Caller Stack. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, they, they host different programs. So they, I, I love my favorite is Fam Fridays, essentially. Fam Fridays, yeah. Yes. Essentially, they bring in different speakers, different networking events. Um, and they, they've kind of opened up an avenue for me to network um, outside of outside of just like, you know, my typical college classes, even 
um, just at, to actual companies, exactly. So they also provide different um, codes for like Algo Expert. I know I've used mm -hmm. um, as far as like technical preparation. So I'm grateful for them. Um, and then lastly, there's another community. It's called Edlift. Uh, I was introduced to them through Tech Exchange. They partner up with Tech Exchange. Mm -hmm. um, they're mostly out of California initially, but they, they're another kind of mentorship slash like empower underrepresented talent, help them out with not only computer science, but like math, science, um, different different things. So I was in a program with them. It was technical preparation and um, they really helped me out. Um, alongside, they also have um, like career fairs. Mm -hmm. So I talked with a lot of companies, a lot mm -hmm. of interviews, so mm -hmm. yeah. Have you ever, so so far your experience building with teams, has it only been diverse teams or has it been some some teams have, have you ever been with a, like a team that was more homogenous than a diverse team before? And how was that, how was it different? Well, let's see, let's see, let's think about during my internship with JP Morgan, it was in Columbus, Ohio. Originally mm -hmm. I was from the area, Cleveland, so, um, as far as diversity from like a Hispanic side, I probably knew around like a handful of Hispanics mm -hmm. out of there's probably I think like 115 interns. Wow. Um, so it wasn't as diverse as I would like it to be, per se. <laughs> but you know, all the companies are working on that. Yeah, you know? there, it's still it's still in the beginning phase. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, they, I know they have a lot of initiatives mm -hmm. towards specifically minorities now. They're they're launching. Um, I don't know exactly the name, but they have initiatives not only for minorities, but also people who are mm -hmm. outside of tech and are trying to break into tech. Um, so they're definitely working on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my team, <clears throat> I was the only like Hispanic within my team. It was five of us. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was good because it's always good to see how to, how I think versus how X, Y person thinks. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was a good experience overall, I would say. Okay, so there really wasn't a difference between both experiences? Like with SparkDev, for example? Or was it, what What was different about it? Except for just difference in ideas? Um, I would say definitely the energy, right? So mm -hmm. like as Hispanics, Dominicans, like, you know, we're more mm -hmm. out there mm -hmm. moving around, you know. So it's not only, like maybe like a culture type of thing going mm -hmm. on. So I felt like when you have more people who are like you, you feel more comfortable and you have people to talk about different things um, in different ways, which is not something that's always available if you have a group that's more cohesive or homogenous, as you said. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, in terms of getting the work done, I think it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. It's you know. It's not scary to have a no. engineer from a different cultural background to come onto your team because you know they're gonna be just as effective as any other, you know, normal you know engineer. Yeah, I would say that's true too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there's, I, I feel like you know, there's there's a lot of things you can't control, like your race or your gender. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you're looking to build a, a team, that's something that you can't really think about, like. I mean, you can think about it to some aspect, but when it comes to building good software, mm -hmm. it's not really a good indicator for that. Yeah. That's what I found. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I mean, mm -hmm. there isn't, like, 
this is good, this is bad mm-hmm. because of, you know, you didn't have the right people or maybe mm-hmm. not diverse enough. So I don't think yeah. there is a way to kind of measure that. But there is benefit to having diverse people in. So it's like a net positive. It's yeah. like you get the baseline, you get quality engineer, but then you also get the added bonus of somebody with a different perspective. That's what I'm hearing from you and your story of how you got into how having a communities like Edlift, CodePath, SparkDev, FIU sort of helped you become a better engineer So because you've, you've seen different perspectives from a homogenous standpoint and also from a diverse standpoint. So yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Um, what do you think about the Miami tech scene now? I think it's booming, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I know here at FIU, they're going to big companies, mm-hmm. which, you know, I feel like I've been talking to, you know, here at UKG current where I'm at, there's a lot of interns from not only, you know, FIU, there's a good majority, a good portion of them, probably more than 60% of them are from FIU, wow. which is great to see. Um, but there's also, you know, kind of students from different schools it's called Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. um, I know. And, you know, FIU is not like a common household name. Yeah. But, you know, I know a lot of people are going to Microsoft, mm-hmm. Google, Netflix. App, Netflix. So no, we actually have the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, we have people and the whole things. Yeah. So that kind of speaks to the amount of opportunity and what the level of education that we're getting here at FIU. I think FIU, honestly, I didn't know about it up until I came here. So, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think I could be where I am without the resources that I've gained here through in it. And then they've introduced me to Copath and all these other opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like because I think another benefit of like diverse engineers is that there is so few of us that like, we all know each other at one point, like, like color stack. It's only like 2000 people, right? Or something like that. It's like, not sure. <laughs> not sure. They're like, it's in the thousands, Compared to, like, the millions of engineers that are all over the U.S., it's, like, there's only, like, that amount. And I'm just, like, whoa. Yeah. We're really, we're really tight here. Yeah, but an interesting thing, now that I mentioned ColorStack, is I feel like even though there is a minority within, like, social media, let's say on LinkedIn, I think a lot of them through these different programs are gaining the opportunity and they're getting the skills to be able to put themselves out there mm-hmm. and get their representation and look for opportunities. So that that's something that... I think is helping us as you know underrepresented talent mm-hmm. break into tech. Um, so I'm very thankful for those organizations. But as you mentioned, kind of different organizations that I've been a part of, they've really kind of guided me mm-hmm. alongside, and they've given me the path that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming into it, first generation college student, first generation immigrant. So I'm definitely grateful for for all the opportunities that I've been introduced to throughout these years and. Mm-hmm. I'm still hungry. I'm looking for more. Like, I'm you're, just you're, getting started. I feel like it, it builds, you, you've sort of built that momentum of resiliency. Yeah, I think once you kind of find the first opportunities, like, it definitely kind of gains the interest of different places, let's say. And it, it, they just stack up. Yeah, they, yeah. They really just, like, after one, it's like a snowball effect. Yeah. But, after, but like, even getting to that first one is it's very hard. Yeah, I mean... It's very hard to get the bar rolling, but once the ball's rolling, you can yeah, get to the moon, man. For sure. I mean, I didn't even know what internships were until pretty much I got here, so... Yeah, that's <laughs> like, crazy. My resume was, like, empty a year and a half ago. 
That's crazy. So that's crazy. You you've had so much growth in just one year. Yeah, like a year and a half, two years. Like I've grown a lot. Like as far as professionally, I felt like as an engineer, like I've been working towards it, kind of steady, mm-hmm. learning different things. Like, but in a professional sense, and kind of breaking into actually getting a job. The last year and a half, I've been working on it mm-hmm. heavily. So we we're we're gonna make that happen for sure. And to end it off, what is the experience of being first gen? What has that taught you? I think it's taught me that there is no linear path to do anything, really. Like, a lot of the time, I thought initially it was just like, oh, got to do high school, go to college, get a job. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot in between, especially within tech. Mm-hmm. I feel like within, you know, like when I went to Miami Dade College, no no one was talking about internships and doing leak code and preparing for technical interviews. Mm-hmm. Not because it was not out there, it's because you weren't introduced to it, so... Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the time the hardest step is being even exposed to what's out there. So currently I always try to learn new things, of mm-hmm. course. Even if it's not, I'm not learning it, how to use it end-to-end. I'm just learning, getting familiar with it. So in the case that maybe something shows up and I want to use it, then I know it's out there. And that's on a technical level, but even on a kind of life perspective type of thing, you have to look for opportunities they're not going to come to you unless you know you have some magical power (laughs) so (laughs) a magic wand yeah like offer will be coming to your hand yeah and you know if you're from different colleges especially not those mainstream colleges yeah the the, the ones that have no name yeah you have to be hungry you have to push yourself you have to go above and beyond Mm -hmm. to really stand out amongst the crowd because getting even let's say for an internship, getting that initial interview or passing that initial phone screen or resume screening, that's the hardest part. And if you don't have um, kind of the initial thing they look for is like schools, whatever, then it's project, right? So if you don't have those to kind of back it up, you really have to go above and beyond, whether it be through networking. I think networking has been like the most powerful tool mm-hmm. that I've leveraged so far. Um, initially, you know, everybody talks about, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to network. But it's not just going on LinkedIn and just adding 100 people from this company. Yeah, it's there's a lot really of people that I add that I don't even know their name. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> networking to me is making meaningful connections. Like, it's not just like, oh, let's say let's say I'm looking for a recommendation from X company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't just go like, oh, yeah, give me a recommendation, right? Mm-hmm. You have to kind of introduce yourself like, oh, I'm this, this. I'm looking to get into it. Like, do you have any advice? Mm-hmm. And build conversations Um because you never know where an opportunity might be lying for you. Mm-hmm. And anybody could have a job for, for you or just an initial introduction, a phone number, a name, an email, even just anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just in general, just kind of recap, just stay hungry, look for opportunities. Um, don't misunderstand what networking is. You yeah. know? And um, be yourselves. Like at the end of the day, you have to stay true to yourself and be genuine with who you speak, who you meet. As a person, a lot of the time you think it's everything kind of revolves around you, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and you're the center or whatever, but it's really not like that, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're in teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have empathy for other people. You have to think about, okay, let's say if I'm writing code, whatever, like I'm going to write code, and it's not even for me, like if it's on a, let's say for a company, a lot of the time you're, you're going to write code once, and then there's going to be people maintaining it for years, right? So you kind of have to be empathetic in that sense where 
you think about the next person and bringing good vibes to you. <laughs> yeah, that that's so true. And you know, in Hispanic cultures, we're just we're just naturally genuine and like empathetic towards people. So yeah, you you already you already have that built in, and it's sort of helped you so much. So that's good. That's yeah. Good. Um, is there anything else that we didn't cover that you would like to share? Hmm. For, you know, either employers looking to hire diverse engineers or, you know, startup founders looking to get diverse engineers or even diverse engineers themselves. Like, how can they, you know, even, you know, find like, like, like if they feel like they're the only one, like anything, like anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I mean, as far as for talent, I think, and for people who are students themselves, like the biggest thing to take away, if you're going to take anything away from this is um, Copath. Color Stack, Edlift, and um, those three organizations. We're here in Florida, in it, of course. Um, but those four organizations, they can take you so far mm-hmm. um, as far as just opening doors and getting to know what's out there. Um, they offer great courses, great mentorship programs. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And, yeah, just stay hungry, I guess. That's that's. What do you have to do? It's it's really what you have to do. If you're a diverse engineer, stay hungry. And if you're an employer, look for them because we are genuine, creative, um, empathetic, and we we have just the same level of skill as any other engineer has. So I think that was really good. Yeah. I think that's it. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sebastian, for coming on to the podcast. would you like to share now i'm going to give you the chance to share how people can reach you and any other um promotion for anything that you would like to promote any project you're working on if you have a website or music business anything anything you'd like to promote how can people reach you yeah yeah um i try to stay off social media to be honest like i don't have (laughs) instagram no tiktok facebook none of that i mean the only place you could find me right now is on linkedin Mm -hmm. um so that's linkedin and slash Sebastian dash Nunez dash mm-hmm. profile, or you can go through my website. It's um, Sebastian dash Nunez dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, on there, I'll have everything that you need as far as if you want to reach to me. Mm-hmm. Um, thank a- you. Anything else you want to promote? Oh yeah, I think you already said it. Edlif, CodePath, Colorstack, and yeah, in the FIU, go Panthers. Go Panthers. Yeah, we did it, bro. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Forward Thinkers Show.